0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Davidson Military Academy's Future World Leader Program, where our sergeants mold qualified cadets into the leaders they were born to become. Davidson Military Academy, we're here to teach you, but we're also here to help you. Hello, my name is Chris.
1: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's June 6th on Pod Cemetery, and that means it's time for the devil. With 1978's Damien, Omen 2, and 2010's Devil. Getting right into our first movie, the sequel to the classic Omen... Damien, Omen 2, written by Stanley Mann, based on a story by Harvey Bernard, and based on characters by David Seltzer, directed by Don Taylor, uncredited directing by Mike Hodges, starring William Holden, famous for Sabrina and Sunset Boulevard and Network and Lee Grant, which I personally recognize from the first Columbo movie slash the pilot for the series, Ransom for a Dead Man. And Jonathan Scott Taylor, also Lance Henriksen, who we've had on this show on Aliens and Pumpkinhead and Alien 3, and Sylvia Sidney, who we've had on this show twice now. This will be her third appearance. Who's of Sylvia course, Sydney? she is Juno from Beetlejuice, but oh. she was also in God Told Me To. I think we mentioned it then too.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Kelsey, what is Damien Omen 2 all about?
1: So it's the same character, it's the same Damien He's just a little bit older now And he's finally realizing Who he is Yeah And anybody that stands in his way Is better look out
0: <laughs> uh, The movie is available to rent for $4 And buy for 10 We watched it on our Omen Blu-ray collection Kelsey, should people watch Omen 2?
1: If you're a fan of the first one, yeah. Um, I, I think this is solid as a sequel. Not a lot happens, but it's a solid movie.
0: See, I don't even know if I would go that far. I think it's fine. It's a fine movie, but I think it's not – it's an unnecessary movie. Like, I guess if you want to know what happens next for Damien from the end of Omen, sure. And then you'll see what happens after he realizes who he is in this movie. You'll see what happens in Omen 3, <laughs> which is called something else, too. I hope something
1: actually happens in Omen 3. That's the only problem in this movie. Like, nothing is accomplished. There's no There's no end here. It's just a continuation of his story, almost as if the filmmakers intended for it to be a trilogy.
0: Right. The third movie is called The Final Conflict. That's the one where Sam Neill plays an adult Damien.
1: Well, that's curious, because by the end of this film, he fully knows, fully accepts who he is. Oh, yeah. No,
0: he is just straight up the Antichrist.
1: And, like, why would he wait until he was an adult to do what he did I guess.
0: Well, that's how he needed to get power. He had to build power first. I don't know. We'll probably get to the final conflict next year around this time, (laughs) I would imagine. We'll see. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's just... (sighs) Omen is such a stellar movie, If you remember back to when we first reviewed those, episode 73, by the way, so it was a long time ago, uh, you gave it a 79, I gave it a 90. I absolutely love The Omen. This is, I mean, I, I guess it continues the story and that's okay, but it does not stand up to the original. I
1: think it's more of the same.
0: But the original had like a plot going on, and it was more thrilling. And they tried to recreate moments; they tried to, I will say, do the same movie over again, basically. Yes, uh, and it, it is just, exactly what happened. But it just does not have the flair or the intrigue of the original. I don't think.
1: And well, that's right, because there's, I don't think at any time you want you question if he's gonna win. I think it's pretty clear the entire movie that none of these people are going to be successful in stopping him. And that's, that's probably, I think, its biggest downfall, is that they never truly had the stakes up for Damien. Right.
0: Right. I mean, it it also involved a lot of, like, mystery solving in the first one. You know, you have Gregory Peck running around trying to figure out what's going on, where his son came from. Oh, the hospital that he came from. And, uh, you know, like.
1: Right. By this point in the story. Everyone already knows this. It's just a matter of getting people to believe it. And people will just, because it sounds absurd. I understand Mm -hmm. why people would be like, no, I'm not going to go crazy and try to kill a child. I understand that desire. uh, But everything is already being laid out. It's just a matter of getting them to accept that that is the reality. (laughs) There's
0: also, so like in the first movie, there's, you know, this is for you, Damien, you know, and it's like, oh, well, where did she come from? How long had she been working with them? Did she know ahead of time? Was she converted while she worked there? It's something that's intriguing, right? That there's people that are working on this child's side to help him become the the culmination of what he's supposed to become as the Antichrist, right? But in this movie, there are full-on characters that are just on his side, acting as guides, trying to help him become... The Antichrist again, but there's like
1: well, the nanny did three that.
0: or f- I know, that's what I was talking oh, about. Oh, I thought
1: you were talking about the lady who killed herself.
0: That is Shh. the nanny.
1: But there's two. Di- there's a nanny who shows up after that chick oh, yeah. kills yeah, herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like she kills herself to get out of the way, so Maybe. that that chick can move in. And but become it becomes
0: this it becomes this thing companion. where it's like the characters are walking around, you know, knowing this is the fact. But now there's a bunch of them, and then there are secret reveals of them, and we learn nothing about who they are or where they came from or how they know. In the first movie, it was intriguing. By the second movie, it's like just tell me something. Give me some information. We're two well, movies if in this now. this stuff
1: is real, I have no trouble believing there are secret cults should, all over the world. But it should be on the screen. I guess. I just felt like... I felt like the movie was being very obvious and very clear with, like, the second you meet the stepmom. I was like, oh, she's totally in on it.
0: Oh, you think? I didn't know. I no. did. The mm-hmm. second... By the, the end, I knew, but...
1: The second that his new dr- his new drill sergeant tells him, anytime yes. you need anything, well, he comes right to talk away. to me. I knew that. Uh, the second that the guy the the guy who's running his business showed his evil colors, I was yeah, like, okay, uh-huh. well, he's on his side too.
0: Yeah, but it's also the movie, like you say, is just like a bunch of deaths. It's just like death after death. There's no like plot linking it, but like there was in cool the original. Deaths. There are some cool deaths, yes, but I'm like it. It's in the First movie, it was like people are going to find out and get in the way, right? And so they're going to die. Or they're, like, sacrificing themselves in order to bring evil and provide power in some way, right? In this movie, people just die indiscriminately. And sometimes it's related to the plot. But sometimes it's like, wait, why did that person die?
1: Really? I felt like everyone in this was either someone Damien did not like or was standing in Damien's way.
0: I will get into the one that really bothers me when we actually go into the description. But... uh I I guess we're kind of split on this one. I'd say you're okay to watch it. If you're intrigued by the first one, yeah, go ahead and watch the second one. But I personally find it kind of unnecessary. Kelsey says, yeah, if you like the first one, you should watch the second one. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1978's Damien Omen 2. The terror of the past is but a taste of the future
2: before, was a hint of the havoc to come.
0: The first time was only a warning.
2: William Holden, Lee Grant, Damien, Omen 2, rated R, starts tomorrow at a theater near you.
0: All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Omen 2 begin?
1: (laughs) Basically... A recap, in case you f- didn't see the first movie or you've forgotten what happened. Yeah. This guy, this r- religious man, is telling this... It's
0: Bugenhagen from the first movie.
1: That's the same person. Same
0: guy, yeah. It's uh, Leo McKern.
1: He is talking to an archaeologist, and he's explaining to him... You know, uh, Damien Thorne has the face of the devil. His father knew, tried to destroy him. Now he's living with his uncle, and I must give him this information. The uncle must know what he's dealing with. He shows the archaeologist, who doesn't really believe any of this, the mural. And he's like, that's the face of Damien Thorne. The
0: reason this is important is because for some reason, the Thorne family is still doing, like, archaeology and stuff. And... This archaeologist works directly for Damien's uncle, who is now raising Damien. But Bugenhagen has all the knives from the end of the first movie. So if you don't remember, the first movie ended with um, Gregory Peck trying to kill his son, Damien, in a church with these ritualistic knives, and he gets shot down by the police before he can actually do it. But somehow Bugenhagen got these knives again? Like, okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. It's okay. Uh, both of these characters are going to get get killed off right away before they can do much. Their influence on the plot happens with, through other characters who knew them, but we'd never see them interact with them. So it's, it's a little bit interesting. They do go to see the mural where Bugenhagen's like, this is the face of the grown-up Damien. I saw his face in the newspaper. This is him. And he goes to show them. And then they get buried in sand in this tomb, which is brutal and apparently real. They were planning to do it, like, fake, using fake plastic sand. But because it was kind of this real place, um, there was plenty of sand there. And I think Leo McKern was like, nah, just do the real stuff. And they really buried them in sand.
1: That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and they are dead. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and he recites scripture as he is killed, saying that goodness will prevail. Forces of evil
2: may seem to overwhelm us and be triumphant, but goodness will prevail, for it is written in the book of Revelation. Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy with the brightness
1: of his coming. Which I thought was interesting, because it certainly doesn't in this movie.
0: This is uh, the Knights Halls in Acre, Israel. The dungeons there. So it's a real place they filmed.
1: So we get a title card of Chicago seven years later. Mm -hmm. And we meet Damien, who seems like a very pleasant young man. He's nice to the groundskeepers and so forth.
0: Yeah, and he has fun with with his cousin.
1: Yes, but... He has an aunt who does not like him.
0: This is uh, Sylvia Sidney as Aunt Marion. This is Juno from Beetlejuice.
1: Everything he tries to pull on her, she will not take it. She Mm. will not have it.
3: Goodbye, Marion. It was nice seeing you again. Who told you? Told me what? Politeness isn't one of your strong points, Damien. I'm sure you didn't come here to say goodbye to me on your own initiative. I didn't know you were in here, but I was going to. Were you really? Goodbye, Aunt Marin. But she loves, she
1: dotes on Mark. Yes. His cousin.
0: Mark, by the way.
1: Who also does not like her. You'd think yeah. that, like, one of them would like her and one would... No,
0: these cousins get along grand. They are, they are best of friends. Uh, but this is Lucas Donnett, and this is literally the only thing he's ever been in.
1: The kid who plays Damien?
0: The kid who plays Mark.
1: Oh. He is fine. But the kid who played Damien was actually pretty good, I thought.
0: Jonathan Scott Taylor...
1: And he looks a lot like the kid from the first movie, which is a plus.
0: Yeah, he uh, he sort of stopped acting in the 80s.
1: I thought he did a great job in this movie. She is talking to Damien's uncle.
0: Yeah, because the kids get sent off to boarding school, like military camp academy. or whatever. The academy. Military yeah, Military academy.
1: academy. And she's talking to the uncle and she's just like, I will take away your inheritance unless... You separate these two boys.
0: Yeah, because she got like 26, 27% of all of Gregory Peck's estate, everything he owned and had an interest in. And her intention is to give it to William Holden, Richard Thorne, Gregory Peck's brother, uh, when she dies, because she's getting up there. But she's like, only if you do this for me. She's holding the inheritance for ransom. And what is she asking
1: She wants the two boys to be separated at school. She wants them to go to two different schools. Uh She does not want them to be friends. She does not want them to associate with each other. She Uh thinks that Damien will be a terrible influence on Mark. And she is absolutely 100% correct.
0: And this is going to be a recurring theme throughout the first half or so of this movie is uh, the thorns are going to be approached by a person who's going to say your son is the Antichrist. He's the devil. You got to do something about him. You got to kill him. Uh, and then they're like, what? That's crazy. And they don't believe them. And then that person dies just and over and over and over again. And
1: they don't really seem <laughs> to think much of that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Not until it's like way late.
1: Too late. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I do love that the stepmom is like, there are sons. And Aunt Marion snaps back. Neither of them are your son.
0: Right. Yeah. But that's a fun, I will say, for things that are explained and things that aren't explained. I am fine with the stepmom, her story not being divulged. I think it's an interesting sort of implied story. What happened to the previous mom? Mm -hmm. How did she weasel her way into this family? Mm -hmm. She loves both of these kids, but in particular, she dotes on Damien.
1: Well, I don't know that they show that. Well, they show like they're
0: lounging in the living room and Damien's like lying on her chest and stuff like that on the couch together. Like, she, for whatever reason, she loves both these kids. She does, she's not like, fuck Mark, it's Damien I want. But yes, she, in particular, is affectionate towards Damien. That's Lee Grant, by the way.
1: Now, there is another guy who also worked with the archaeologist, and he works for Thorn Industries or whatever.
0: Yeah, he runs like their museum or whatever, the Thorn Museum. It's called the Thorn Museum of Art, by the way, and it's very obviously a museum of natural history.
1: And he is very interested in all of the stuff that they had found uh, where Bogenheim or Bogenhagen yeah. died. And he finds this sculpture that they had been talking about earlier in the film.
0: This is Charles Warren, played by Nicholas Pryor.
1: And they call it the Whore of Babylon?
0: Yeah, well, the Whore of Babylon is riding on the Hydra or whatever.
1: Which they said they the kings will eventually light her on fire.
0: So from the book of Revelations chapter 17... And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns." And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And There are a lot of interpretations of that, of course. Different churches have different interpretations of what that means.
2: She represents Rome. The ten horns of the beast are ten kings who have no kingdoms yet and will be granted temporary power by the devil. His names are carved there. A spoiler. The little horn. The desolate one.
3: Why is she riding him?
2: I don't know. It wasn't to be for long. According to the book of Revelation, the ten kings shall hate the whore and make her desolate and naked, shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire.
3: Hmm.
0: It's
1: not very nice. While he's talking to them about that, the Aunt Marion is killed by a crow.
0: Yeah, in her room. Uh, well, there's a crow shows up and gives her a heart attack. Yes. Yeah, and so so they will say that, oh, she just died of a heart attack. She's an old lady. It happens.
1: Good thing. We got the money now.
0: Yeah, uh-huh, before she could take it away.
1: Back at the Military Academy, we meet Lance Henriksen.
0: Lance Henriksen, who apparently signed on when the movie was being directed by Mike Hodges. And then when Mike Hodges was fired, he was under contract. And I guess they had a lot of plans on what this character was going to be as like an advisor to Damien. And they just didn't come to fruition
1: Yeah, because he's a pretty lame character.
0: Yeah, he doesn't really do much.
1: He like provides a little bit of support. He's the one who pushes him to read the Bible and find out who he is. uh That's kind of all he does.
0: Yeah, and when the other dude shows up and they both like exchange knowing glances, you wonder, do they know who the other is? Obviously, they recognize that they're on the same side, but do they know each other? You know, like you don't know. That comes later, though.
1: The kid will do black magic in front of everybody, but not know how or why he did it.
0: Yeah, because somebody talks about his dad.
1: Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. Like, I don't even think the kid says anything necessarily bad, but I know the dad tried to kill him. Right, but so it's... I guess that's what it is? No,
0: it's more like, "Uh, your dad's rich. You can... Da-da-da-da. Yeah, like, that's all it is. It's it's a really lame thing, but Damien's very sensitive. Don't, don't ever, ever talk, ever about, talk about, about my dad yeah. again. Uh-huh. You're
1: just like, What? <laughs>
0: Right. Because I don't know if it's just because he has, obviously he doesn't have a love for his father, but does he not want his family spoken about? Is it because he associates dad with Satan? Like, what is it?
2: That's Damien's father right there in the back. My old man played on that team too. That's him. He was on the line, but Robert Thorne was quarterback. Even back then he was calling the plays for everybody.
3: You're next, Damien. Hey, Teddy do ever talk about my father again. Do you understand?
0: Can't you take a joke?
1: Yeah. But I think the most intriguing thing about both the first movie and this second film, and this second film confirms that he did not know what he was. Yeah. Not at the time. But until you know that, until Lance Henriksen tells him, find out who you are, Uh very much like Lion King.
2: um, (laughs) I'm not the one who's confused. You don't even know
1: who you are. Before that happens... It's kind of a question of what does Damien know he can do? What does Damien not know about himself? No,
0: because he just stares at this other kid and the kid just like,
1: <sighs> starts gets to knocked freak back. Out. And, like, I don't think he's yeah. getting choked to no, death. I think it's no. more that he's scared. Yeah, it and causes maybe an intense tame. terror.
0: Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. sure.
1: But Mark asks him, what did you do? And he says, I don't know. And they kind of did that in the first film, too. Like, he just stares at people and then they die, you know? Or he'll be, you know, he's riding his trike. And it's like, is he trying to cause his mother to fall?
0: Uh Uh-huh. I think it's, in, in the first movie, it's more, you have this small child who revels in chaos and danger and death, right? And it's just his inherent nature. This is him learning why he has that sort of nature, and who he really is, and what power he actually has. So I don't think he knows in the first movie any of it. It's just the nature of this young child.
1: But so his uncle is accosted by a woman in a red coat.
0: So this is Joan Hart.
1: Melissa Uh, Joan Hart?
0: No. (laughs) I think there's also a a Hart in, in Entertainment Tonight, right? Is it Joan Hart? Somebody Hart. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Entertainment Tonight. I'm John Tesh. And I'm Mary Hart. But this is the person that Charles, the guy who is in charge of the excavation and everything uh, in Israel. She's the woman that he wanted Richard to talk to. Uh, And Richard's like, I don't do interviews of any kind. He's like, come on, but please talk to this lady or whatever. But she ends up ambushing him in New York when he goes to talk to his, his business partners. She mentions at one point, I don't think it's this scene, but it's a little bit later, she mentions that a photographer that she had worked with in the past was decapitated following Gregory Peck. He's the one who gets that sheet of glass that decapitates, and that was David Warner in the first movie.
1: I remember that head.
0: Yeah, that uh-huh. turns.
1: And didn't they not do that on purpose? It was the first shot. Yep. Yeah. uh-huh.
0: And that's the way it happened, and it was great. This See, this movie doesn't really have any moments. They try to. There are moments where it's like, oh, this is obviously, they're trying to do the decapitation moment again, you know, whatever. And it's like, eh, make your own movie.
1: <laughs> and so she explains, you know, that they found an exorcist on his property. It has been verified. Uh, you're in grave danger. You're all in danger. But he just refuses to listen to her. And doesn't he throw her out?
0: Well, so there's two scenes with her right away. There's the one in New York, and then she follows him back to Chicago and ambushes them in their home. And Charles is there at the time, and Charles is like, what the fuck are you doing, Joan? And they end up, yeah, kicking her out. And as she's driving away, she's the one who gets pecked to death by ravens. Yeah. And then gets hit by the truck.
1: <laughs> so, and it's funny, because I, I doubt that they did this on purpose, but when she stops the car, because I forget what happens, is that there's the... Or a car, like, breaks down. Why she Yeah, just something, top? yeah. Uh, a fly hits, like, right on her face. Oh, yeah, I heard you
0: mention that. Yeah, uh-huh. And, I don't know if it was intentional or not.
1: You know, but it's interesting because flies in so many movies have represented the devil. Yeah. Right? And then she gets out of the like car. In Amityville
0: Horror, there's the, the scene with all the flies. Yes. Uh-huh.
1: And she gets out of the car, and I actually thought this was really creepy, with the bird uh, like uh, pecking her eyes out. Yeah,
0: she falls in the... The ditch. The ditch, and then she climbs out right as the truck's coming by, and it nails her, and then we get this dummy flying up into the... So she's on the ground, and it's this giant like Mack truck, right? And it hits her. her the dummy flies up over the grill into the windshield, then falls down, and then gets run over by the rear wheels.
1: I'd say it's a pretty shocking scene.
0: But it's a bad, like, it's that would not happen to that body.
1: Right. Okay. I'm not necessarily that. When she gets her eyes pecked yes, out and she's is. running around For with sure. her eyes pecked out. For
0: sure. It's I think that would have been enough. But if she gets hit by a truck, it, it you kind know, of, she's dead. Right. And it disguises that something sinister might have happened to her, like weird, you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: Meanwhile, the boys are snowmobiling before Mark's birthday party. Uh-huh. And I was like, This kid's a little old for this big of a party and with, like, adults and stuff. It's
0: rich people, man.
1: Maybe. I don't know. Rich
0: businessmen inviting all their potential partners or their existing partners. It's it's relationship building. Yeah, it's all about the parents more than it is the kids. It's also weird that it's a lot of back and forth between the academy and home. So, like, yeah, I get that there's, like, holidays and stuff like that where they go home. But it's like there are – there must be massive time jumps. Not a lot of time is spent – at this academy before he just goes home again, and then he's back at the academy, and then he's home again, and he's back at the academy, and then he's home again. And it's like...
1: Well, if the first time it was because he was home for Thanksgiving, it would make sense that this would be so short.
0: It would, but I, I kind of wanted more at the academy. I wanted more stuff to happen there. I wanted him to get trained by Lance Henriksen or something, like have Lance Henriksen be his Yoda. Like, I wanted something like that.
1: I agree. There could have been more of that, but I didn't need a lot of it. No.
0: There's also this subplot that we haven't really talked about where one of Richard's top guys in command, Paul, is trying to do something that might not be ethical, but will make them a lot of money. Another one of the top businessmen, Bill, is like, no, this is unethical. I'm, I refuse to okay this. And Richard's like, okay, you know what, Paul? Just put it on pause. Your time will come, don't worry. Like it's he's acting like a really good boss. He's like, yes, I agree with Bill. This is kind of inappropriate, but maybe we can figure something out. Just put it on pause. Stop pushing it. We don't want to upset Bill. Bill's great. Your time will come. Like it was it's an interesting sort of perspective. It makes you really like Richard, despite the fact that Paul is kind of a douchebag. Uh, but there's this sort of underlying plot. It's not really clear what they're trying to do. They're trying to buy property and then lease it back or something to the people that live there. Meanwhile, there's this other guy, Pisarian, who is working for Paul and they're building like a pesticide, which is like super poisonous, but they hope to feed all the world. And I think this is building into more of that antichrist stuff of like, you know, unfortunately, here comes the politics, folks. Unfortunately, like you're, you're, you're super religious you're like your fundamentalist folks reject people who are like borders kind of suck. We should be able to feed everyone because somewhere in the Bible, it says that's what the Antichrist would do. He'd make a unified language he would unite all countries. Uh, everyone would be fed. Like, that is what the Antichrist will do. So anytime anybody tries to do good in the world at a global scale, like, that's what the Antichrist would do. And so they oppose it. And it's like, what? Ah! Yeah, it's kind of shitty. Like, you know, you know, the Tower of Babel, God intended us to all speak different languages. And he doesn't want us speaking the same language so we can try to build the tower to heaven. So if if people learn each other's languages and become, you know, one tribe that is anti-God. It's it's a niche sort of, you know, all the evangelical pastors and things like that on TV and stuff like that with the fire and brimstone types of the past several decades. They're the ones that believe this kind of stuff. I remember I read the first – several books in the left behind series that also felt the same way that he would be a world leader. He would come to power inauspiciously and he would be praised by everyone because of all the good things he does, but really ultimately it undermines God's will. So yeah, like the antichrist comes to power because he does good things. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway, they're trying to build this pesticide, And Pizarian is the one who's uh, who's working on it. He works for Paul. Paul is scheming and not really ethical. And Bill is trying to keep that in check underneath Richard Thorne's leadership of the whole thing. And these are all people that are going to be involved some way or another in this plot.
1: Well, like we said, he's going to be the one who... He's going to talk to... Damien alone, and he's gonna say, You know, I run your dad's company, and someday it's gonna oh, yeah. be all yours. And he goes, Maybe
0: you should come by and see what it is that we do.
1: And Damien's like, It's gonna be Mark's too. And he goes, Yeah, sure. You, you are becoming a man, you must feel it, you must have suspicions of your destiny. Uh huh. And the kid's just like, Huh? And so, but they're having this big old party, and all these people are out ice skating, and they're grilling in the snow, which I've never seen before. But that was interesting. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, and they're all out there ice skating, and the guy Bill, who's been getting in the way of mm-hmm.
0: the expansion of this company, at doing unethical things
1: by Paul. He suddenly breaks through the ice.
0: Yeah, the puck that they're playing hockey on the ice skids off past the safe point that they have marked off with the cones. He slides up to it and then falls through.
1: Just like in Dead in Three Days.
0: And in Escape Room. Remember when the guy falls through the ice in that one cold room and they need to find him and he's...
1: Oh, the guy loved escape rooms. Is that how guys? Yeah, he dies? uh-huh, yeah. That's sad. <laughs>
0: But, uh, yeah, so this is how Bill dies. It's a really tense moment, actually them like everyone's trying to follow him as the current takes him away, and yeah it's it's intense like until said, ultimately they lose deaths
1: him. are pretty mm-hmm. pretty shocking, so back at school. Damien gets in trouble because he is laughing at a picture that was drawn of the teacher. A not very flattering picture. Yeah. So trying to embarrass the kid.
0: Because he's not paying attention. He, I'm going to quiz him in front of all the other students.
1: Right. He brings him up to the front and he has him answering all these questions. But somehow he knows all the answers. And it's, All the
0: names, all the years.
1: I thought this was super interesting because in the moment... Damien looks calm, cool, and collected. Uh-huh. And then when he's talking to Lance, Lance Henriksen, Henriksen, who's yeah. going to walk in and stop this from happening, uh-huh. uh huh, or stop it from continuing, he is going to say to Lance Henriksen, I don't know how I knew all the answers, but I yeah,
0: did. Yeah, they just came out. Like, I just knew them. What were you trying to do?
3: I was just answering questions, Sergeant.
0: You were showing off?
3: No, I, I just knew all the answers. Somehow I just knew them all. That was really interesting. It was a
0: fascinating scene. That, the ice, like we're getting a couple of good scenes in a row here.
1: Yeah, I I really like that. And I really loved Lance Henriksen because he doesn't like encourage this behavior. He's like, dude.
0: Stop showing off.
1: Stop attracting uh attention. But
0: also the teacher has like interesting reaction, right? Like he's, it's almost like, no, I'm going to get something that he's not going to know and he keeps naming events and Damien keeps coming back with dates, like immediately. Like he knows everything and he's like, no, I'm going to get him. But then that sort of turns into a fascination. Like it's almost like this this terrifying game that he's playing with him. Like You
1: said that I didn't get that. No, his person. his reaction is great.
0: He's like, st- he's a little panicky like coming up with a name, but then it's also like, holy shit, he's doing it. It's happening. And so it's a mix of resentment and fascination that I got out of the teacher. I thought was pretty good. What's
2: wrong, Thorne? Am I boring you? You, of course, know all about Napoleon's campaigns.
3: Something about them, sir.
2: Do you now? How many men did he lose on the march to Moscow?
3: 450,000, sir. The Russians played at surrender until the winter set in, and then he began his disastrous retreat. Despite Marshal Ney's heroic rear guard action, the Grand Army was cut down from 600,000 to less than 50,000. Day... 1812. He was deposed as emperor in 1814. And then? After a brief exile in Elba, he returned to France and began the so called Hundred Days' War until he was defeated at Waterloo. A date? 1815.
2: Let's stick with dates, though. On the emperor's death?
3: 1821. Battle of the Nile? 1789. Trafalgar? 1805. Thirty Years' War? Start or finish? Start. 1618. The Black Death? 1334.
2: Abraham Lincoln's death?
3: 1865. Charles I. 1649. Oliver Cromwell. 1658. Thomas More. 1535. Thomas Beckett. 1170. The Black Prince. 1376. Jean
2: Paul Marat. 1793. Danton's death.
3: 1794.
2: William McKinley.
3: 1901. Death of Socrates. 399 BC. Aristotle. 322 BC.
2: Alexander the Great. 23 BC. Uh, Sir Francis Drake. 1596. Uh, Julius Caesar.
3: 44 BC.
2: Roosevelt. 1945. Richard III. Born.
1: Well, it's in this moment that Lance Henriksen is going to tell him to read the Book of Revelations because he's like, you need to stop getting everyone to look at you. Yeah. Know what you are and keep it a secret.
2: You mustn't attract attention.
1: I wasn't trying to. I just felt... The
2: day will come when everyone will know who you are, but that day is not yet.
3: What do you mean, who I am?
2: Damien, there are things you don't understand. Read your Bible. In the New Testament, there is a Book of Revelation. For you, it is just that, a book of revelation. For you, about you. Read it, 13th chapter. Read, learn, understand.
3: But what am I supposed to understand?
1: Who you are. What is he afraid of? What is Lance
0: Henriksen afraid of?
1: Yes, he's afraid of somebody getting in the way, but it's like everybody who gets in the way dies.
0: Right, but that'll only bring more scrutiny. So fly under the radar the fact of the matter is is that the antichrist should come to power initially almost unseen you know earning a local seat somewhere and then at the state level and then at the national level then maybe the president if it's if you're thinking America which like, in this case it is
1: like the dead zone
0: yes uh, yeah exactly but that guy was just an asshole <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, in this, it's it, it, the idea is is that he's supposed to build up all this power while kind of nobody's paying attention to him,
1: like like Hitler. Uh, but he had the six 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 on his crown. That's his what he
0: finds, and he realizes it is true. That's what solidifies it for him.
1: And I thought they did it. I liked the reaction. Why me? Why? Uh And then just the acceptance, very much like what happens to Jesus. Like, at first Uh he's like, what the heck? Uh
0: It's like, well, I guess this is what I do now. Yeah, and then he uh just accepts it. So Damien takes Paul up on his offer to go to the factory and see what it is that his stepfather, I guess his uncle's business, actually is, right?
1: And finds out that all the people who won't sell their land to him are somehow dying. Yeah, in mysterious ways. Uh
0: huh. And so there's a lot of questions about that.
1: How strange How
0: and peculiar. While these kids are going by, they're fixing equipment that seems to be breaking, and uh, somehow, like this is this is what I don't get. It's like they just need deaths and they need weird things to happen. It is important that this happens for the plot. Wouldn't it be in Damien's best interest? that the manufacture of this pesticide goes off without a hitch? Why would he want this to fail? Why would it be good for him that this fails? Also, Pizarian dies when this fails. Pizarion, who is on Paul's side and is helping him accomplish his tasks. Does that mean that, like, God is making this happen?
1: Well, I mean, I feel the same way about the stepmother's death at the end.
0: I, that's my big one. Why the fuck... Does she die at the end? Why is it that it seems like Damien is killing people that are helping him?
1: Well, I mean, I actually think that Mark puts it best. The devil has no brother. The beast has no brother. Don't call
0: me your brother. Yeah, he just, I th- I, th- I would say it to that end. That's interesting. To that end, it it might be interesting to look at it from the perspective of somebody who's going from the first movie. Like I said who just has this nature of loving chaos and destruction and death and then finding a purpose and having to convert from one end to the other and there's while he's still just realizing his power giving in to his nature and trying to control that in order to gain more power there's going to be some collateral damage i guess is the best way to describe that but it's it's weird like this needs to happen for the plot
1: well, but I've always thought that way. I've always been like, why would anyone support the devil? Why would anyone support yeah. the evil one? They're going to kill you as soon as you're not useful to them. It it never made sense to me. But what I've always just been told is people go crazy wanting power.
0: Yeah, and also true believers will martyr themselves. If that means that their leader is successful, then their death is worth it. You know? So, yes, this poison leaks out everywhere, and all the kids get a little bit sick, except for Damien. And the doctor talks to Richard and is like, there's something weird about his blood.
1: His cell structure.
0: Yeah, and we don't figure out what it is yet. The tissue tests he made indicate that Damien has a different cell structure.
3: Different? That's absurd.
0: Not to Dr. Kane. He was quite concerned about it. But there is something weird about the blood. Meanwhile, the stepmom is like, he's been here long enough. We're taking him home. We can come back later, knowing that they won't have to come back later. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Richard's like, does that sound fine? And the doctor's like, yeah, okay. I can study what I have in the meantime, and then we can do more tests later. You can bring him back later.
1: And he is a nutso death.
0: Again, character introduced and then dies right away. Mm -hmm. It's the the Friday the 13th, part five. (laughs) Is it part five? All over again.
1: Oh, yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) Uh, He gets an elevator death, which is a nice little nod forward towards Devil, which we're going to be watching next. He gets in an elevator (laughs) and then falls to his death in the elevator, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting because he survives the elevator crash. But then the cable gets yanked down, crashes through the elevator cab, whatever you call it. And slices through his body and cuts him in half.
1: That's what was nuts about Yeah, it, uh-huh. Getting cut in half.
0: So that was their attempt at sort of one-upping the David Warner death in the original. But I was like, but it's a little obvious that that's what you're doing here.
1: So the guy who's been obsessed with the archaeology stuff has finally seen the mural. Charles, finally yeah, uh-huh. realizes that Damien is, in fact, the Antichrist and goes to his uncle and is like, Dude, this guy was born of a jackal.
0: Yes, so that's what the doctor found. I don't remember how Charles... Jackal. It's a jackal.
1: (laughs) Jackal's a jackal? Jackal.
0: A jackal. Jackal. It's a jackal. It looks like a jackal. 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 It's a jackal. Jackal. Time. It wasn't right the first time you said it. Why the hell would it be right the next ten times? I don't remember how Charles figures it out. It was something that was an element of the first one. Remember when he digs up the birth mother's grave, and it was the body of a jackal in there. I remember
1: when you didn't understand what I was like, wait, meant.
0: what's happening? Yeah. Uh, and in this one, the doctor finds, like, looks up what the cells are. Like, this is a weird cell structure, and he's going through this reference manual, and it literally says, oh, that's a jackal's blood. I, okay. Uh, so he <laughs> finds out that he has a cell structure of a jackal. He confronts Charles...
1: Who of course dismisses him, but Mark hears this. Yeah, and Mark has already seen
0: the weird stuff that's been going on, doing
1: some weird shit. Which
0: again is why I wish I saw more at the academy.
1: Yes, there should have been more weird shit. But yeah, so Mark is like, I don't know if I can trust Damien anymore, and
0: he runs out into the snow because he's like, What the fuck is going on? My best friend, my brother, my cousin, and he runs into the woods, and Damien fucking follows him.
1: Yeah, well, Damien is hoping that Mark will choose join to, him. Ha- to yeah, join him. Uh-huh. But again, Mark has the great line: "The devil has no brother." Uh huh. He's absolutely right. The devil will, if the devil is what he's supposed to be. People, I don't know why you'd support him. He's going to kill you when you're no when you're of no use to him.
0: Yeah. Oh, Charles also finds the box. The reason Charles learns everything. This is what happened. The shipment from the dig comes into the Thorn Museum of Art, and it includes the box, the box that includes the letter that Bugenhagen wrote that was supposed to be given to to Richard. Yes. And Charles reads all that, and then the mural comes in, and, well, he confronts Richard about it, and then the mural comes in, and he goes to see the mural, and he sees, oh my god, it is in fact Damien's face on this mural. How does Charles
1: die? Doesn't he get pinned between the train cars?
0: Right. He eventually convinces uh, Richard to take a look, and it's going to be on a train going somewhere or something like that. Yeah. And he gets pinned between the train cars. (laughs) Yes. It dies that way, and that's really what ends up convincing Richard. But in the meantime, Mark is running away in the woods, and... He has a confrontation with Damien, who just fucking kills him with his mind.
1: Yeah, Damien says, I love you, please don't make me beg. Come it's with me.
0: Very interesting, compelling stuff. For Almost
1: sure. like a warning. But mm-hmm. I don't even know if he's, I mean, he he knows what he is now. So, like, is he aware of what he can do? Is he aware of what he's going to do to Mark? Mm-hmm. I can't tell. But so Mark, of course, says no. And he just, yeah, he kills him with his mind and it's kind of like what happens with the boy. He, like, kind of cowers with fear, and then he falls. But he screams really loud. And yeah. that's what causes uh, the father, the uncle, to come running out. Richard, yeah. And he's like, what happened? And he's like... I didn't do it. He just fell. I don't know.
0: Well, no, he's not. He's panicking because his his brother cousin it might be dead. He's like, I didn't do it. I, di- I swear I didn't do it. Like, he's panicking to that regard.
3: What happened? I don't know. We were walking, and He fell. He fell.
0: Get back to the house.
3: I didn't do anything. He just fell. I didn't do anything.
0: But, no, he knows exactly what he did.
1: Exactly, yes. Uh, This reminded me a lot of, you know, the good son.
0: Oh, totally. Are we going to do the good son someday?
1: Well, the problem is I wanted to do the bad seed with the good son. We can't do that.
0: Yeah, well, we can do both of them separately. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, So, yes, then the thing happens with Charles, who dies in between the train cars. But this is ultimately what convinces Richard that he needs to kill Damien. Everyone around him is dying, and he needs to go back to the museum, I want to say, because that's where all the the ceremonial daggers are supposed to be.
1: Meanwhile, 13-year-old Damien has Two chicks on his arm. Yeah. And then <laughs> one party, chick yeah. who ends a conversation with another dude just to continue, like, to join in on their you're conversation. Supposed to, you're
0: supposed to understand that as the Antichrist. Apparently he's, he's
1: going to be a ladies' man. He's
0: very charismatic. So that means, oh, any charismatic p- politician might be the Antichrist. It's like, oh, shit, yeah? <laughs> Politicians, charismatic, what? <laughs> so, yes. How does he get, he follows his his uncle, To the museum or somewhere.
1: I don't know why he ends up at the museum, but I know that he's talking to the stepmom. Yeah, Telling the stepmom, oh my god, these people are right. Richard... fucking wonder all these people have been dying.
0: Richard is is looking for everything, and and the stepmother is, like, arguing with him. No, Damien's great, what are you doing? And it's, like, something you might expect a reasonable stepmom in this position to do, but we know little hints of things about Anne at this point. Richard says to Anne, he's not human. To which Anne responds, he's your brother's son, he's a boy, and you've loved him for seven years. To which Richard says, the boy has to die. Where are the daggers? Anne responds, here are the daggers. Here are your daggers. And then stabs him.
1: Oh, I thought she, like, Sliced his throat, no?
0: Maybe, I don't know. She attacks him with the daggers.
1: Yes, and she says, I've, al- I've it's always, always been belonged for- to him. I've always belonged to him. Yeah. Uh-huh. And immediately after, Damien is going to kill her. And yeah, he
0: shows up, and then she bursts into flames. And like, what? <laughs> why? This is a perfect cover at this point. You could be raised, because you're still a minor, you could be raised by your stepmom, who believes in you as the Antichrist. Like, why are you killing this person? It doesn't make sense. They just needed another death. They just needed to add to the kill count.
1: I'm saying it's the devil has. No you can mother.
0: explain it away, Isn't and it? I get that, but it is in his best interest.
1: I agree. I agree. He wouldn't have killed her in that moment.
0: Yeah. Eventually, yes. Once he's had his his fill of her, once she has served her purpose. So
1: that that's ends just, on a freeze frame. Th- it ends. The movie just ends there. Freeze frame on his face, and I'm like, Are you trying to recreate what happened in the first one? Because in the first one, he gives a creepy smile. I don't, this one didn't feel creepy at all. He
0: walks outside the museum and his driver is standing there, the driver who drove him there, I think. And then he just sort of like, as there's a fire going on in the museum behind him, he just sort of smiles at the driver and nods his head, you know, and the driver's like, what the fuck? And then the end. Huh?
1: Nothing happened.
0: That's it. That's the end. A
1: lot of people died and nothing happened. It is
0: a movie that exists solely to get you from the first movie to the third movie. Yes. Plot wise, that's literally all it does.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Which is kind of a bummer. How is this going to get explained away?
1: Each one of four, five, and six could stand on its own as its own. Star Wars? Mm
0: -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Kind of. I mean, (laughs) yeah, it it does. Like, it needs the larger context of, of of the original trilogy's overarching plot. But yes, it is a movie from beginning to end. It tells a complete story. And it introduces new things to get you excited for the next one. But it doesn't need all those for it to be entertaining in and of itself.
1: And that's how I feel that TV shows should be as well.
0: Yes. Season to season. Totally. And this, I think, doesn't nail that. No, It's like the first, it's so often you have a trilogy that starts out with a standalone movie, and then they're like, oh, that did well enough, we could do the other two, now the second one doesn't need to be a standalone movie, and it's they did it with The Matrix, they did it with so many other things, and so it's it's kind of a bummer that it doesn't stand alone as good as the first movie does, which is my biggest problem with it, is it is intriguing, there's some great scenes, there's some really tense scenes, there's some interesting scenes, the ice scene, the school scene, there's some interesting deaths, but then it's just, hey, we're gonna do the first movie, except now he has a little bit of agency and there are more people on his side. That's why I'd say you could take it or leave it. Like, I think you can watch Omen on its own and just stop there. Yes. this is It's okay if you plan on watching the entire trilogy. I don't know how good the third movie is, but if you plan on watching the entire trilogy, it's an okay second movie, but... I would probably say just watch the first and stop there. But you disagree.
1: I think, like I said, it is very much a sequel. It cannot stand on its own. But I think as a sequel, I think it's a solid sequel.
0: Okay. I see where you're coming from. And I partially agree. So what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? The first one, by the way, had an 86 when we reviewed it.
1: I will guess it has like a... (laughs) Sixty-six.
0: Jesus. (laughs) Uh, It has a forty-six. Oh, my. Damien dishes out ghoulish scares and a biblical body count to generate some morbid fun. But this repetitious sequel eh, lacks the sophistication of its predecessor, Metacritic of forty-five. Now, the first movie had an eighty-six. You gave it a seventy-nine. Thinking it was slightly overrated. I gave it a 90, um, thinking it's great. The remake had a 27. You gave it a 58. I gave it a 60. We all thought it was okay. So, what would you give this? Do you think 46 is underrated? Yes. Yeah, I, I think that's right. It is underrated.
1: I think it's very underrated. I will give it 69, dudes.
0: You're not going to give it a 66 to stay thematic? No. Okay.
1: I I would give it a 70. If it just had, if just something had been accomplished, it would be in the 70s. But just nothing happened.
0: I think this is solidly low 60s. I think it's, I like it better than the remake, which, I mean, just going off on how I feel it, about it now, I haven't re-listened to that first episode. It's fun sometimes to go back and hear what we thought about it back then or the specific things we have to say about it. But thinking back on it, how I feel now, I, I feel like the remake was okay. It was just I entirely really un- not like unnecessary.
1: It. I remember really not like it. I'm surprised they gave it a Like score.
0: how good the original is. Why the fuck do we even need a remake? So, but I thought it was okay, obviously, with like a, a 60, it was fine, you know. This, I would say it's a little bit better than that. But I think it's still solidly low to mid-60s. So I will give it a 63, I think. And that is Damien, Omen 2 from 1978. Moving on to our next Devil movie, Kelsey. 2010's Devil. Written by Brian Nelson, based on a story by M. Night Shyamalan. Directed by John Eric Dowdle. Starring Chris Messina, Bokeem Woodbine, Logan Marshall Green... And Boyana Novakovich, no Shyamalan cameo. No? No. I mean, he didn't even write the screenplay. He didn't direct it. He just co-produced it and and wrote the story that it's based on. It is part one in The Night Chronicles, which we will see right away. It's going to say The Night Chronicles and then one.
1: Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah,
0: that's in the very beginning. The Night Chronicles were supposed to be a trilogy of lower budget sort of bottle-like supernatural thrillers. You know, like this, but in different scenarios. The second one was going to be called uh, Reincarnate. Mm -hmm. It was going to be like 12 Angry Men, but with demonic influences. Mm -hmm. It just never happened. They were making it. It was announced. It was planned. And then based on the description of like one of the producers or a director or something like that, it was like everything was just kind of put on pause. And now it's just not happening. Um, The third movie in The Night Chronicles, to round out the trilogy, is what they ended up taking out, isolating, and making Split. And then ended up tying that into Unbreakable again. So it's interesting. It was supposed to sort of be about part of the Unbreakable universe, rounding out The the Night Chronicles. And then they isolated it, made its own movie, and then at the very end of the movie, put it back into the Unbreakable universe. If you remember... Bruce Willis makes his appearance at the end.
1: They're loving him die hard like Bruce Willis. <laughs> bop,
0: bop, bop, no. bop. So yes, The Night Chronicles never came to fruition. A little uh, arrogance on his part to say, part one. and then <laughs> Have no guarantee that there would ever be a part two. Mm-hmm. And then there wasn't. Uh, what is devil about, Kelsey?
1: A group of people get caught in an elevator and one by one they're picked off by the devil.
0: Yep, that's it. That's all. And, you know, throughout the movie, there are people trying to help them out of the elevator.
1: People are learning lessons.
3: Uh-huh.
0: About the devil. The movie is available to rent for $4 or buy for $15. If you want to save a little money on a purchase, you can get it for $14 on Redbox. Should people watch Devil?
1: Look, if it's on, sure, watch yeah. it.
0: Yeah! I mean, I've seen it twice now. But I wouldn't pay for it. It is, yes. Okay, so there it is. In the last episode... I said that we rented Overlord, and I wished I would have bought it instead, right? This is, I rented Devil, and I wish I wouldn't have had to. I wasn't upset that I saw it for a second time.
1: It's better the second time. Yeah,
0: it is, I think, if you kind of know what's going on.
1: Because you're not as wrapped up in the mystery that is Oh,
0: that's totally going to just, ugh, cheat you. Don't expect some fascinating mystery the The Shyamalan twist is ridiculous. <laughs> um I don't know that I would even necessarily it's call it much, twist. but it's a little bit of a twist. They reveal that the information that it's they just
1: had a lie
0: it wasn't a lie. they got it wrong. They interpreted something incorrectly and we'll we'll get to that in, in, when we talk about the movie. but yeah, it's just it's kind of unnecessary, but it's not offensive. it's not terrible, right. You could watch it. You might have a little bit of fun, but it felt at the end, you're just like, man, okay. All right. It's okay. (laughs) You know, like that's, it's not the worst Shyamalan movie out there. It's certainly not like the redemption of Shyamalan, but you know, we're starting to get there. I don't know if it's that way because he didn't make it himself. I don't know. Who knows? You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2010s, Devil
3: 42,
2: please. You bet. Ah, this is not good. What was that? Something bit me. Which of these five strangers is not who they appear to be? Don't come near me. Back away from each other now. (laughs) Who are you, devil? Rated PG-13. In theaters September 17th.
0: All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Devil begin?
1: With an oh, the narration given to us by the security guard, who I thought was somebody I knew, but it's not.
0: You always pass up when there is a title card that's a quote of some sort. The movie starts off with Peter 5'8". Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That comes first.
1: That's why I wrote devil is a lion seeking its prey.
0: Yeah, <laughs> seeking whom he may devour. Although I think they might actually say something like that in the text. So you're talking about the character of Ramirez. He's one of the security guards that we I thought get. thought it
1: was somebody I knew, but it's not, right?
0: So. Probably not the person that you're thinking of. He's been in a lot of TV shows. He was in Sons of Anarchy, which we didn't watch, but he was in Luke Cage as a side character. You might be thinking of...
1: The guy from Spider-Man? Not Spider-Man, Ant-Man.
0: Yes. That's Michael Pena. He is like a sort of Michael pena light for sure. This is uh, Jacob Vargas playing Ramirez.
1: So he explains that his mother used to tell him stories as he when he was a kid about the devil and how sometimes the devil would come up to earth just to punish the damned before taking them down to hell for some reason. Yeah,
0: and he always thought it was an old wives tale, which was called The Devil's Meeting. And apparently, I mean, I, I looked, I mean, I didn't spend a lot of time looking. That's not like a thing. Like you know there's like the deals with the devil or you meet the devil at the crossroads or whatever, like that kind of stuff. That's not what this is. This is the devil collecting people who are certainly going to be punished in hell and torturing them while they're on earth and Would bringing them down to hell faster because
1: wouldn't it be worse to It's outside
0: his purview, but still. <laughs> Yeah, you would think that it would be more interesting to do it in hell, but he's like, he's trying to get them, you know, these are people who are so bad, they're almost irredeemable, which is why the ending is important, right? <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I haven't seen a reference to any concept called The Devil's Meeting anywhere than this movie.
1: Okay, so it's made up. Yeah. Okay.
0: But he says that...
1: Interesting that you wouldn't try to go for an actual folktale. Yeah. Tale.
0: And you can make up folktales all you want
1: and <laughs> say but that they are people it. there doesn't seem will to be much it. of a...
0: Concept here? Moral to this. <laughs> not much of one. I guess it's, it's basically if the devil's fucking with you, you're probably a bad person.
1: <laughs> no shit.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, not necessarily in general, just during this devil's meeting concept. Uh, but he says it always starts the same way with a suicide paving the way for the devil's arrival.
1: And we do see a, a a suicide, but not until after we see a headache-inducing...
0: I loved it, opening title sequence. Opening credits. Yeah, sequence. like, it feels like, uh, you know, it's very similar to what we got, uh, which came later, in Candyman. But that's more like looking up at the sky and then tilting backwards a little bit, and it's disorienting in that way. This is like a flyover of a city. It's Philadelphia. And because it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie um, and it's flipped upside down, they either had the camera upside down or I think it would be much easier if they just flipped the image. You
1: know, Either way, it made me not feel so good.
0: Right. Physically. Kelsey has some problems with uh, motion sickness for sure. But I mean, if you don't get affected by that, even if it's just a little disorientation, I think it was pretty effective at that. But yeah, we get a we get a suicide. A guy jumps out of a like jumps through a window or does he break it first? Cuz the window is broken. Like it's shattered.
1: Yes, I I don't know what they imply. That's a, I don't know.
0: But this is kind of a fun sequence. We'll get through it quickly, but while everything else is being set up, we have this man, he jumps out of a very high story in a building and lands and he hits a truck and then the truck Because of the impact rolls away, it hits one of those cement barrier things, it bounces off of it, goes down a different street into an alleyway, where eventually they find it and the cops show up because there's a dead body on top of the truck.
1: Yes, but our main cop, he's got his own demons because he's a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. Because his wife and son were killed in a hit and run. This
0: is Chris Messina as Detective Bowden. Interesting that he... uh, Also has an alcoholism problem when that's what killed his family. It's weird that that would be where you go. But I imagine it's real, you know, like that does happen, I'm sure. It's not a logical thing, you know what I mean?
1: And have we seen him on the show before?
0: I don't think so. He was in Argo. It's a good movie. Yeah. He was in the Sinner TV show that we watched.
1: Oh, right!
0: You saw him in Birds of Prey, which I never saw Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, like, he's been in things. He was in Newsroom, which I saw. That's probably where I know him from. Uh, But I don't think we've ever seen him on the show before. Mm. But, yeah, he and his partner, who basically doesn't matter, uh, (laughs) Detective Markowitz, they're solving this crime while everything's being set up for for the bulk of the movie. And... That is them figuring out that the truck actually rolled to its location and it changed direction when it hit that cement barrier. And they find out, they find the broken glass and they almost get terribly killed when a large piece of glass shatters down on the ground in front of them. That's what brings them
1: to this building. Yes. And inside the building, a group of people are gathering to use the elevator. And this group includes a guy who ran a Ponzi scheme.
0: That's Jeffrey Arend, who you probably know as the "Snozberries taste like Snozberries" guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or you know him as the ex of Christina Hendricks.
1: In real life?
0: In real life, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, they did it for years.
1: Huh. Well, anyway, he is on his way up to the Better Business Bureau.
0: Yeah, because he's got to report to them. <laughs> um, who else is on this elevator?
1: Okay, so there is this old woman, and she, its it's funny... When she goes up, all these people are getting into this one elevator. And they're like, oh, come on in. There's plenty of space. And she goes, oh, it's too tight for me. And they go, come on in. And she goes, no. What?
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, looking okay. back on it. OK, so we've started. We're past the jump. So full spoilers here. She is the devil. So it's interesting that, yes, she passed that up. Like you, it, It's a fun moment where you're like, no, I'm telling you I don't want to. That would make me uncomfortable. Don't. Insist that I go on (laughs) the elevator. But in retrospect, it's, no, because you are not my target. Mm -hmm. I need this elevator to pass me by.
1: Mm -hmm. There is Bokeem Woodbine.
0: Yeah, so... We get Bokeem Woodbine again. That's two weeks in a row. Yes. Uh, He's he's actually He's been in several things that we've had on this show in the past. Like, just last week, he was in Overlord. He was also in Wishmaster 2, and probably more recently, Ghostbusters Afterlife, where he had a basically meaningless role as the the sheriff or whatever he was in that movie. He was in, like, one or two scenes and did practically nothing. But, yes, Bokeem Woodbine. He... I don't think we've ever talked about it. He was sort of famous uh, in the 90s for being in those quote unquote urban films, you know, about gang violence and stuff like that. Like that was his big thing.
3: Well,
1: he's great in this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. And he plays a security guard. And it's a real big bummer because he's like, I'm going to go and take the stairs. I want to be healthy. Yeah. And this other security guy is like, no, you're get not in the elevator. You're not
0: taking it that many flights. You'll never get back. Like, I'm covering for you. You take the elevator. <laughs> Which seals his
1: doom. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Which, okay. So you're going to find out that he, like, killed a guy. But you don't find out why. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, there's a good reason to kill someone. Well, but I like-
0: think we have to know that it isn't a good reason. I, I think we, I mean, there's this kind of conspiracy that comes in later that, Oh, he's the, he's an assassin that's working for the guy that owns the building or whatever. He's a
1: temporary.
0: You're right. Right. Cause he's temporarily there and they're trying to find like a motive for what's going on in this elevator later on. And I think that's obviously not the case. You know what we find out later and what we know of him leading up to that moment. He didn't even want to be on that elevator. I think it's probably a guy who did something very bad. I think it's not an innocent case of self-defense or whatever because the devil's fucking with him. The whole point is that you've done something bad. I don't think killing somebody in self-defense would get you on the devil's radar.
1: Well, isn't she just going after that guy cuz he was in the army? And I mean there's lots of people in What the guy
0: who's cuz he was in the army?
1: The Tom Hardy wannabe. Oh, no, he did the hit and run. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I was like, just because he's in the army yeah, and no, killed people? Like, no. a lot of people have done that.
0: No, he did a hit and run, killed two people because he was drunk driving.
1: Because of the army.
0: <laughs> Still, he did a bad thing. I think it's more about his reaction, well, the fact that he was drunk driving in the first place and then his reaction to it that compounds and makes it bad. <laughs> That, by the way, is we're going to call him probably The Mechanic, or as Kelsey says, Tom Hardy Light. Um, that is Logan Marshall Green. He always <laughs> looks weird to me because his <laughs> eyes are just like solid black all the time. He constantly looks like he's freaking out or there's something wrong with his eyes. He was in Prometheus on this show. Yes. We've seen him in a couple of things.
1: Yes, and I remember in Prometheus, I was like, is that not the guy? <laughs> Is that not Tom Hardy? Is that not the guy from The Punisher? Like, are these not the same people?
0: <laughs> he is also though in Upgrade, which I've only heard great things about.
1: I thought that was the guy from The Punisher. <laughs> what is his name? I'm so in love with him, I can never remember his name.
0: John Bernthal.
1: Oh, he's such cute.
0: Yeah, no. I think he looks much more like Tom Hardy, like a like a narrower Tom Hardy. But, I mean, just look at pictures of him. He has the blackest eyes.
1: <laughs> but I remember in theaters watching Prometheus, I thought the entire time it was Tom Hardy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he gets on here, and not before dumping a bag in the bathroom. Mysteriously. Who else is on this elevator? A lady. Yeah, this is Boyana Novakovich. She is... What? Why is she here? She's...
1: So she has she's relationships with like Black Widow. <laughs> no, she has relationships with married men that she blackmails them. Right,
0: that's what it is.
1: And also, the reason that the facade for why the old woman is on here is because she's a thief.
0: Yes, yeah, she's a pickpocket. But she's here to blackmail the guy who owns the building, which is why they think because Bokeem Woodbine is a temp. And he just happens to be on the, like, it's all a ploy to hide the fact that he's an assassin here to kill her. That was their conspiracy theory.
1: So they are all in this elevator together, and it's going to shut down. Mm -hmm. Stop working. Elevator six is in inspection mode. Yeah. As they will explain to us. And we have another security guard who we've seen before. (laughs) Yes. So
0: Jacob Vargas is Ramirez, as we said before. But his partner is Lustig, played by Matt Craven, who we just saw last week as well (laughs) in Jacob's Ladder. He was the guy that made the ladder.
1: Oh, my God, that's the same person. Yes,
0: uh uh-huh. I mean, no, just look at him. Of course it's the same person. His hair's just white. He's, like, literally the same person. I mean, yes, literally, but, like, you know, put their faces side by side, and it's like he hasn't aged a day. (laughs) And there's Dwight, who is the maintenance guy who's going to be going through hell trying to get elevator working again only to just fall to his death
1: oh yeah it's kind of it's very sad that's
0: joe cobden
1: and as we are introduced to him our narrator the security guard ramirez uh-huh. explains that you know there's always got to be some people that die that are just trying to do the right thing right. you just
0: like what no that's just your way of explaining away so you can have more deaths outside of the elevator that's all it is
1: yeah Well, that guy's going to fall to his death, but kind of in an unremarkable way. Like, I don't even think you really see it happen. You don't. Yeah.
0: They hear it, like they feel it and they hear it happen. And then they realize what happened. I think that's kind of effective, actually. Oh. Well, you see that his harness breaks Yeah. uh, and he's holding on and you don't know what's going to happen. It cuts away and then all of a sudden a slam on the top of the elevator. Then they hear the walkie-talkie. And you're like, oh, it's just Dwight showing up. But then it's like, Dwight, Dwight, are you there? Why won't you pick up? And they're like, oh, fuck. And then it starts bleeding. And you're like, oh, God.
1: <laughs>
0: so anyway, the elevator stops and the premise starts.
1: So there is the the security guards have the ability to see the people in the elevator, which is part of the movie, how we watch them interact yeah, with each other. Yeah, uh-huh. And they can also speak to them. However, they are incapable of hearing what the people in the elevator are saying. That's right, yeah. But it's, you know, it's easy to communicate with people when...
0: Yeah, I mean, it creates sort of humorous scenarios. It also creates, like, an additional layer of tension. But it's never an issue where they don't know what they're saying, and that causes some sort of plot element to unfold.
1: The only time that happens is when the lights go out. Yeah. And they will do that. Baby, when the lights go out. Baby, the words cannot express the love and (laughs) (laughs) happiness. Do you remember that song? Vaguely. I I wonder who sings it.
0: There is elevator music that goes in and out. Don't sit under the apple tree.
1: Yeah, and it is so obnoxious. And Ramirez, when Ramirez finally says, do you think they don't like the music? It's almost like, Jesus Christ, are you a, like...
0: Well, dear. Lustig is like, oh my God, the music's still playing? They're probably losing their
1: minds. Turn it off. Like, how could you not think that that's torture? Yeah. Sadistic dick. Turn it off.
0: Yeah. So all during all this time, Dwight's going up and down and up and then all of this stuff to... Try to solve the problem, but he can't do it.
1: Can I just ask, does anyone actually like elevator music? Why do we have elevator music? Does anyone like it?
0: I think people don't like when there's silence.
1: Dead silence?
0: Yes. And so when you have some sort of ambient music that's vaguely recognizable, but you don't have to license, at least not as expensively as if you were to just get the actual song, it's a cheap solution. And it's very neutral, so, like, I don't think anybody hates elevator music the way they might hate some licensed song,
1: you know? <laughs> but so, that does lead to, they're, you know, when it first happens, they're definitely panicking. And actually, not when it first happens. Throughout this entire film, they're going to be in panic mode. They might sure. be in light panic mode, but they never really leave. Right,
0: it doesn't help that Bokeem Woodbine is kind of claustrophobic.
1: A little bit. Yeah. And-
0: It's just because his brother locked him in a box for six hours or something like that. A trunk for six hours uh when he
1: was a kid, which would really have messed with me too. Sure. But the guy from-
0: My brother closed me in a closet once. It was never that long. Good lord. (laughs) That's what it's like having an older brother.
1: (laughs) So the mechanic will later say- I've never met a guy who had claustrophobia go in and out of that yeah, feeling. Uh-huh.
2: So where'd your claustrophobia go? Huh? Excuse me? I, I, I've never seen claustrophobia come and go like that. So. Are you trying to say something? Yeah, yeah. Um, this. Say it. Okay, I'm saying I didn't do this, and I very much doubt that she did, so that leaves you. I'm saying I think this claustrophobia thing, I like think it's an act. Yeah, I'm saying I think you're a lie.
1: And I'm like, well, I mean... That's kind of bullshit because I can get really uncomfortable in small spaces.
0: And then the longer you're in there, it might wax and wane. You might start to get a little bit more comfortable and then your brain just starts to panic.
2: Exactly. Um,
0: Or there's heightened tension for some other reason which distracts you from that. Mm -hmm. For sure. Like, yeah, no, it's kind of a stupid statement as a way to, like, accuse him. Everyone thinks that there's somebody who's doing something bad because the first person to get injured is the young woman. She gets what looks like bite marks on her back.
1: She also, though, claims that the guy touched her ass, which we get confirmation later he did not do.
0: You grab my ass? <laughs> <laughs> Sir, from where I'm standing, that would be a physical impossibility. Oh, I know your tricks.
1: <laughs> did, did you just touch my ass?
2: What? You wish, sweetheart.
3: I don't know who you think you are, but keep your hands off me.
2: Did you just grab my ass?
3: Sir, from where I'm standing, that's a physical impossibility.
2: I know your tricks, Dewey. <laughs> yeah,
1: but but she she totally does that, and because she says that later, when she says something bit me, she's immediately gonna think it's him. <gasps> something bit me. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: it, it feels like something bit me. Then it felt like something just jumped up and bit me. Hey,
1: something bit- And if you haven't seen the movie before and you don't know that you're going to get confirmation later that he did not do that, it'll make more sense that he would have said that. But from her perspective, it's like, oh, because I lied and said he did that, he's getting back at me.
0: Oh, interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I never really started doubting her until the movie Wants You To.
1: Oh, I hated the way that she immediately... Latched on to.
0: Oh, yeah. Especially when it's, like, heightened tensions and it's, like, she's egging people on. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, she would be the devil. Like, insisting that, you know, es- constantly escalating the conflict, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. When it's
0: Bokeem Wobine versus
1: Yeah, she's the Logan one that's Marshall stirring Green. everything up.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, she's just a bad person. You need not feel bad for her when she dies. Well, that's not true. You can definitely feel bad when a bad person <laughs> dies. It's okay.
1: I'd feel bad knowing that these people are going to hell. They might be bad people. I don't know that they deserve to be f- consumed in flames. Sure, Strong, yeah. <laughs> so,
0: the, I mean, somewhere in here, the police officers show up.
1: Oh, they explain that they can't use their phones because they can't get a signal.
0: Oh, yeah, there's no signal. Yeah. But the police officers show up. I don't know why they're here in the Because fir- there's an assault and he's nearby. Yeah, he's talking to the, to the crime scene investigator woman that he has the hots for. Or that they're kind of a budding relationship. When he gets the call and he's like, "Oh, I'm right there," you know. So I'll I'll check it out. Yeah, it's because um, the
1: woman is attacked.
0: Yeah, and something so he goes up. Bit me. <laughs> <laughs> something, something. Yeah, and he goes up there, and and he so he sort of owns the situation now that the police are here.
1: And it doesn't help that the. Snosberry's guy had been annoying everybody. Yeah. Almost on purpose. Yeah. Like he also had blood him. on
0: him and they were like questioning that. It's like, she bled on me. What do you want? She fell
1: on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like he had already made himself annoying. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she had already said the thing about, you know, he touched, touched me. my ass.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. So
1: like everybody kind of turns on him.
0: Meanwhile, and it's kind of important, they're trying to find out who is on the elevator. So the first time when somebody dies, which is him. The lights go out. Yeah, I love
1: love that he dies first. Yeah.
0: And he has a shard of the mirror in his neck. And there will be now shards on the ground for the rest of the movie,
1: which will become important.
0: It will be important later. Now there's a murder. And so they shut down the entire building. They put everyone down in the lobby and they try to account for every single person. And then they go through the sign in log to find out. Who didn't sign in or who didn't show up for their appointments? And they, f- they find a couple of things. They nail down that the mechanic never signed in. When they follow him on the camera, they realize he went to the bathroom. And then when they go to the bathroom, they find his bag. And it's just mechanics tools in there. And they're like, could he have used these tools to fuck with the elevator? You know, I was like, okay, so now the mechanic is a suspect. And so we will cycle through everyone being a suspect at some point or another.
1: But that is not important.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, his girlfriend shows up later and is like, he was supposed to show up for a job interview, but he didn't want to have his mechanics. Ba- he had, came straight from his mechanic job. He didn't want to have his bag on him. So he hid it in the bathroom, you know. And so it's just, she's just there to explain away that, no, he, he, it's not actually a plot.
1: And let's not skip the stomach turning scene when the guy who's trying to save them, who's going to die by Dwight? falling down the elevator shaft.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. When, yeah, he gets up to the roof, and his hat blows off, and he chases after it, and he and runs way after filmed,
1: it. And it's filmed, oh it's really filmed well, because you can't tell that he is going straight towards the edge. Yeah,
0: and he is going full speed right to the very end, and you're like, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> and me,
0: with my acrophobia, oh, no, thank you. <laughs>
1: Even I felt it in my legs. I was like, oh, (laughs) Jesus.
0: So that feeling is basically what I feel all the time when I'm like, I don't want to be near the edge of
1: this. (laughs) And I've not never that high, obviously. But I've definitely been on spaces where I've gotten way too close to the edge. Uh My school's theater, the stage is really high up. Uh-huh. Because the the point is to have the uh, orchestra beneath you. Uh, so there's no
0: pit, it's just the orchestra's on the floor. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. so you,
1: there, there's just you could if you if you're not paying attention, you can just walk right off the stage uh-huh. and fall. And that has happened to me quite a few times. <laughs> I haven't actually fell, but I've come really close. It is dangerous. I do not approve.
0: And that's why I don't like edges. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ramirez is trying to explain to the cops how he thinks it's the devil. Oh, when he's around, everything goes wrong. The toast lands jelly side down. <sighs> Children hit tables and people get hurt, is what he says. But Detective Bowden's like, ah, I don't believe in the devil.
1: Yes, and the reason he's feeling that this is the devil, the reason he feels so certain is because he saw this picture, which is so obviously a face. Yeah, you can't just in pain. like. pain. Uh-huh. You cannot explain this away, and yet they all do.
0: Yeah, uh, Matt Craven is like, yeah, you know, it's just like when people see Jesus's face in their toast.
1: It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, no, this is obviously a face.
1: I love during the hullabaloo after uh, she's been bit or whatever, the guy, they all turn on him, right? Mm-hmm. And I think they're talking about how to do something. And he stands up and he says, I can help. And Bokeem Woodbine says, Such a creepy ass dick. <laughs> I enjoyed that line.
2: Why don't you sit your creepy ass down in the corner over there.
1: When Ramirez tries to show the face uh-huh. to the cop, the guy what, Craven, yeah, says, "Ignore him. Ignore <laughs> the face."
0: Look, Ramirez is kind of religious. Just ignore him. Trust me.
1: It's like, what is he talking about? I-
0: ignore him. <laughs>
1: It reminds me of the first season of Stranger Things when Hopper says, ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> Is this where you make the commies? Or <laughs> when he explains about the devil's meeting to the yeah, cop. Yeah, uh-huh. He says that, he, that Craven is like, "Come on, stop it! This is ridiculous. Get your head in the game." I was like, "Get, get, get your head in the game."
0: You don't Leave even like game. that movie. No,
1: I. Don't. I've never even
0: seen it all the way through.
1: <laughs> no, I don't like it, but it's in. The High hate School, you. Give oh, it's High School so. Musical, right? Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. but they they talk about it in the Hate You Give. Oh, okay, yeah, so uh-huh. that's why it's on my mind right now. <laughs> So
0: yeah, he's explaining to the cop you know, about the devil's meeting and all of that and Bowden's like, yeah, that's all well and good but I don't believe in the devil. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. And Ramirez is like, everyone believes in him a little bit. He's like, no, I don't. And he tosses him a crumpled up piece of paper. And he's like, oh, what's this? And it's a car wash coupon has written on it, I'm so sorry. Or I'm so, so sorry, or something like that. And he explains that uh, his wife and son was killed on Bethlehem Pike. Bethlehem. There's a lot of these sorts of <laughs> lazy script references where you just name things after other things. It's very M.
1: Night Shyamalan. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Five years ago. But that's okay because whoever did it is sorry. You can tell by the heartfelt apology on the back of a car wash coupon. His conclusion is that you don't need the devil because people are bad enough as it is.
1: But Ramirez explains that we—it it is not a coincidence that we are here watching this. It is not a coincidence that you right. are here as the audience. Yeah. If all these people are bad, if my theory is correct, you're here to learn a lesson. Yeah, uh-huh. So after the Snosbury's guy dies... <laughs> There's a lot of tension, obviously, in sure. this little elevator. And the old woman, you know, the devil, kicks his feet over towards Bokeem Woodbine. And Bokeem yeah. Woodbine is like, what the hell? Stop <laughs> kicking him at me. And she's like, I don't like him touching me. He's like, neither do I. It's
0: Fun little interactions, yeah.
1: But she takes out...
0: Her pepper spray, yeah, and she goes to actually use it on him, and then it doesn't work because it's from, like, 1987 or whatever.
1: Yes, but as the guy from Prometheus explains, huh, if you spray that, you'll make us all go blind.
0: Right, yeah, and she tries it, and he tries to tell Bokeem Woodbine to ignore her. she's just a doddering old lady, you know, and he's like, she was trying to mace me, I can't just ignore that. This is about the part where the maintenance guy falls down the elevator shaft and lands on top of the elevator, dying, and they realize that. And when they think that somebody had finally come to save them, they realize that no, there's a dead man on top of the elevator. Meanwhile, the fire department's showing up. They're trying to cut through the wall, but they need to kill the power first.
1: But as he's laying there dead with mm-hmm. the walkie talkie next to him, they're shouting, "Oh my god, I think he's dead!" Yes, uh-huh. and, and
0: everyone uh-huh. inside is like, "Uh." Uh-huh. And, and they
1: say over the over the walkie talkie, "I think they can hear it." <laughs> so yeah, that's confirmed. <laughs> It's really They're good. gotta
0: change the channel. So the humor
1: the- <laughs> is there.
0: Yeah. Dwight. Dwight, pick up. Looks like he fell. He's impaled right on top of the elevator. Hurt real bad. Possibly dead.
2: Hey, Bowden, I think the people in the elevator can hear our
3: radios. Yeah, that's confirmed. You switch the channel, eight.
1: So there's gonna be some more confusion. There's gonna be lights going off more often, And at one point, like, we're going to see, like, a face, almost?
0: Yeah, so Bokeem Woodbine needs to light a lighter or a match or something like that. And when he does, in the shattered mirror, where the mirror was, there's, like, a weird sort of wrapped up face.
1: But, like, that doesn't come back at all. No, it does not. That it's weird. just
0: a jump scare. That's all it is. It means nothing.
1: And when the lights are off, the chick has this bad line: "Turn on the lights." oh, <laughs> well, that was not a good reading of that line. <laughs> Turn on the lights. But the old woman has been hung, which is why the first time you see this, you're like, "Oh, I guess she can't be the devil." Right. Do do do. Uh huh. But no.
0: Nope. She is. She's gonna pop up later. So now we have uh, the security guard, the mechanic and the young woman are the only ones left now.
1: But Sarah is going to
0: That's the young woman.
1: push Ben to kill Tony before the mechanic he kills all to of kill
0: us. the security guard.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Even though earlier she had been egging on the security guard to
0: to, to beat up the mechanic or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but this is what she does is she's pitting these men against each other. Because, I mean, if any one of them, she has to figure out who she thinks the killer is, because if any one of them is, she'll be no match for them. So she needs the other guy. She needs them to get into a fight and maybe kill each other. Who knows? It's really blatant how she is just egging them on. And I can't believe at any point the two of them didn't just stop arguing and turn to her and go, what the
1: fuck, lady? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Exactly, but they don't because of the heightened tension uh-huh. in the room and the two dead bodies that they can't <laughs> yeah. escape. But something happens where Craven has to step in water and he gets electrocuted yeah, like so an idiot? Yeah, so
0: they cannot saw through the wall because they're on, like, an express elevator and there are no stops for this elevator for a certain number of floors or whatever, right? And so they need to cut through the wall of another office building. And so as they're cutting through... Before they get into the electrical stuff, they need him to kill the power to the elevators. And he goes and he does that. And while he's down there, he steps in water and electrocutes himself. While
1: holding live wires. I
0: think. I don't know. So he stumbles out into the lobby full of people all burned up.
1: But (laughs) who's like, wait, but if I know not to do that. Yeah, no,
0: that is ridiculous. I'm sure he was wearing rubber-soled shoes, too. I don't know. I didn't get a good look, but... Like, that's another thing. But anyway.
1: So the lights go out again. And I don't think you even see how Woodbine dies. But I guess his neck gets broken. Yeah,
0: the lights go out. They do the cell phone thing to to see around. The cell phones get yanked out of their hands. And yeah, his neck is just snapped.
1: But what's important is that the two of them are left. It's the woman and the mechanic. Uh
0: And both of them are like, I know I didn't do it. So that only leaves you. But both of them have that perspective. Oh my God, it is you!
2: (sighs) Please, lady. They
0: can't hear you. You don't have to pretend
2: anymore. We both know who did this.
1: Yeah, we do. Yeah, but I just—I love, I love the guy from Prometheus. I want you to know that I know. (laughs) I know that you did. You can
0: drop the act. I know you did. Yeah. Like
1: they can't hear you. Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. I like his better than hers. Yeah. Like his response. Better. But they
0: both pick up shards of that mirror and they're gonna like attack each other with these weapons, and then Bowden has to calm them down <sighs> by Can you imagine being in a heightened situation like this, and then this detective starts talking about his alcoholism after his wife and kid died? Like, it's just I guess it would stop me to go like, and what's your point? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I became an alcoholic and I drank myself. to What the get to the point guy? You know what I mean? <laughs> so he says to them that he nearly drank himself to death in a hotel room and that they need to take responsibility for what they're doing. And he tells them to put down the glass. Get it? It's not even a metaphor it's so heavy. (laughs) Put down the glass of alcohol that you're drinking. Mm -hmm. Also, put down the shards of glass that you're threatening each other with. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very heavy. It doesn't help that the mechanic is also
1: an alcoholic. alcoholic. Yeah. uh But in this moment, they, like, fall in love or he starts to care for her for some reason. Because when she is about to die... Yeah, no, he just He's like, take me, take me, take me.
0: Well, okay, yeah. So here's here's the, the series of events. The mechanic's girlfriend shows up and says, Oh, I, I'm looking for this this guy or whatever, and they talk to her and she tell they ask him what his name is because they're like, We haven't been able to identify him. She's like Janikowski. And they're like, Wait, Janikowski? We saw Jane Kowski was unaccounted for. We thought that was the old woman. If he's Janikowski, then who is? And then she stands up or dun, whatever, dun, right? Yeah. Dun. So while all that is happening, before she stands up, the lights go out and then she has glass in her stomach or whatever. And he's freaking out because he knows he didn't do it. And the last <laughs> other person in this elevator just died. And so everything's starting to come to a head. I'd this be moment. starting
1: to wonder if I was crazy.
0: Totally. I'm like, wait a minute. Did I do it? (laughs) Yeah, so the old woman pops back up and she's got these black eyes, which look exactly like the mechanic's black eyes, by the way. It's weird, I'm sorry.
1: I don't think he does. (laughs) And I think she looks pretty scary.
0: Piercing black eyes, yes. But she goes on this diatribe about whores, liars, cheaters, and deserters. It's all the same thing. They know who I am. And he says, take me instead, please. Take me! Yes, he says it a couple times to the point where she's like, stop saying that. It won't make you good. You are not good. Sacrificing yourself in this moment is not going to save you. And he says, I know. She says, you think you can make up for the choices you made? No. You think you can be forgiven? No. And he ends up picking up the walkie-talkie that had fallen in because just as the fire department were about to get through the wall... She causes the elevator to drop again. And so the maintenance guy's walkie-talkie falls in. But I think, did they change channels earlier or did they just turn the volume off? They must have changed channels. I don't know. So if he talks into the walkie-talkie, would they have heard him? I don't know. Anyway, he does. He talks into the walkie-talkie and he admits to the hit and run.
1: I'm so sorry," says it out he loud. He
0: says I'm so sorry. And if you
1: say it out loud, that's better than it writing is, it on yes. the back of a coupon. And
0: everything sort of stops and they get we get this sort of I feel like in my mind, I can't tell you. I, I wouldn't even say out loud that I think it happened, but in my in my brain I just feel it this way. We get one of those Hitchcock zooms of Bowden realizing that this is the guy
1: that this is guy my killed kid. my
0: family. Yeah. Um, but she stops and just stares at him for a while, and then she just says, "Damn, I really wanted you." Oh,
1: super lame. Yeah.
0: Instead of trying to sacrifice himself to get into heaven by just doing good deeds, he needs to ask for absolution. That's what, like, Christianity believes, right? So, yeah, now she can't take him. But I don't know if that was the case. If they can still get into heaven before they die, wouldn't the devil killing them directly, like, directly, not influencing their death, the devil actually killing them and taking them down to hell early, wouldn't that be kind of cheating? And I know the devil, but, like, he obviously has rules.
1: Yeah, isn't that basically the problem with the god the egyptian god yes
0: uh-huh yeah if you're trying to judge people before they do anything wrong this is you're judging people before they have a they they live their entire life cuz they ha- always have an opportunity to redeem themselves
1: unless they were fated to die that day on that elevator
0: no but i mean the 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 devil's walk or whatever it's called meeting the devil's meeting is him orchestrating this the only thing that's fated to happen is the suicide
1: i think you mean her
0: Well, in this case, yeah, I think, well, you know, the devil's non-binary. He was an angel, has no gender. True. Um, But anyway, she disappears. They get him out of the elevator. The fire department's able to save him.
1: But I wrote down that's so unfair. Why did he get a chance and no one else?
0: Right. This is my point. Mm -hmm. Everyone should have had that chance. Mm -hmm. The devil actively killing them, not just orchestrating scenarios that might lead to their death, like literally snapping people's neck and stabbing people, like, isn't that cheating?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And when the music swells here, it's bad. It's really bad. So,
0: Bowden volunteers to take him in for questioning, because, of course, he's the only one living. What are they going to say? You know, they still need to take him in. He says, that was my family on Bethlehem Pike. That was my son. I've been waiting for this moment for five years. All the things I would say to you and the things I would do. The thing is, I forgive you. (sighs) Uh, So now he gets his, you know, forgiveness. They mentioned that early on, too, that forgiveness is sort of like the path to absolution for the people that are wronged. You know, that's the path to... Saving him from his alcoholism, too, is like, you need to forgive the people that have wronged you, including the man that killed your family. You need to let it go, basically.
1: Wait a minute. Did the woman die and go to hell?
0: The woman I don't think existed. The old lady? Black,
1: no, the blackmailer.
0: Oh, she yeah, died. she died. She went to hell. Yeah. So, uh-huh.
1: so when he was like, take me.
0: She never did. The devil never did. It
1: saved him.
0: No, that <laughs> Just- didn't save him. What saved him was admitting... What he did and saying he was sorry. That's what saved him. I don't think she lives. I mean, Maybe she does, but I don't remember. This is it's hilarious. kind of unimportant. It
1: just, but it's like it means, it means it makes it mean so little.
0: Yes. It's just him. He's the important one. He's the one that asked for forgiveness and survived. That's the important part. So then we get the, the voiceover from Ramirez that says, After my mother would finish her story, she would always comfort us. Don't worry, she'd say. If the devil is real, then God must be real too. Really? The devil's real. How do you know that your interpretation of who the devil is is accurate? The devil's real. What if there's just some death being that watches over hell and there is no God?
1: Because if her exact story is true, then her truth is true. Right, exactly,
0: exactly, exactly. But, like, if you're worried about this devil existing, she's saying the existence of the devil is proof of the existence of God. And not necessarily. One does not necessarily follow from the other. Just because your explanation for who the devil is requires a God to exist doesn't mean the existence of a devil requires a God to exist. Anyway, whatever. It's a logic puzzle. The end. The movie's just over now. (laughs) Anything else to say about it, Kelsey?
1: No, it's pretty meh.
0: It's, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Well made. It's competently made, I guess, is really what I want to say. It's a nice little bottle scenario without being too bottled up. It's not only in the uh, the elevator. You know, they do move around this building a bunch. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's f- it's just fine. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes?
1: Like a 58? 49.
0: 49. The consensus statement being, it's better than many of the other films M. Night Shyamalan has been associated with. But Devil Ouch. never... Yeah, right? <laughs> but Devil never gets more than a few low-budget thrills out of its fiendishly promising premise. Metacritic 44, CinemaScore C+. I mean... I don't judge these on, like, a letter grade, right? Because then an F is everything from 59 down. That's too wide a swath. I could see doing a C plus, B minus for this movie, you know? That doesn't mean a high 70s, low 80s. What do you think?
1: I was going to give it, like, a 62. Yeah. Like, it's okay. Okay. Um, it's not particularly scary in any way. Yeah. It's not particularly tense. It also, doesn't have any cool deaths.
0: If you're not religious, it's a little too, like, saccharine in its message, right? And I think it loses something because of that. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'd probably give it, like, a... I, I might go 65, Solid 65. It's an all right movie.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's our Devil Week here on Pod Cemetery for June 6th. That's right. Kelsey. Yes. What are we watching next week?
1: It's Father's Day.
0: It is. It's okay. Uh, it's the Monday before Father's Day. So don't freak out if you're listening to this when we release it.
1: So we're going to watch... Stepfather 3, which if I'm not mistaken is the last of the series.
0: I can't imagine it's good.
1: I think that's the last one. I seem to think Stepfather 2 wasn't that bad? No, it was bad. Was it? Yeah. Okay. It was a big step down. But it was kind of like the same
0: sort of thing. He was just doing it with another family, right? But it
1: didn't follow its own rules and it didn't make a lot of sense.
0: We really liked the first Stepfather. We both we gave did. it an 80.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. You gave it a 30. I gave it a 40.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, bummer. Okay. I don't have high hopes for Stepfather 3.
1: Mm-hmm. Stepfather 3. And then a movie that I've wanted to see for a while The Wailing.
0: The Wailing. Why does that sound so familiar?
1: It is a Korean movie, if I'm not mistaken
0: yeah oh yeah i know this one this is about the cop right yeah there's um There there's like a disease going around and the cop gets involved and yes okay yeah i have been wanting to see this one i've heard very good things about it uh so oh exciting so we have stepfather three and the Wailing. i'm not looking forward to stepfather three but the Wailing i am That will be next week for Father's Day. Don't forget to uh, join us then. Until then, you can find us at our website, podcemetery.com, and on Twitter, at podcemetery. Also, don't forget to subscribe in your podcatcher of choice. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. But even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends, and even bigger than that is listening in the G.D. first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris.
1: I've been Kelsey.
0: And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words?
1: That boy gives me the creeps.
0: Boom, boom, boom. I want you in my room.
1: You skipped a boom. Damn
0: it. <laughs> you mad at yourself for being a bad shot?
3: Phenomena. <laughs> Phenomena. <laughs> Do,
0: do, do, do. Look at that. I have to show all results for devil when I typed devil as my search. That's what you call not SEO friendly.
1: Yeah, who decides to name their se- their movie something generic? Like, if you want to make it impossible to, for someone to find your stuff, that's what you do.
0: You mean... Unbreakable, village, signs, visit, even sixth sense is a term that's used fucking everywhere.
1: Yeah. But I feel like movies that were made before the internet was big.
0: Don't count? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, they do.
1: And maybe love is the reason why. For the the first first time time ever, ever we're seeing it. it. I, I do, do, I. I do, I. This hand is all fucked up.
0: Your hand's fucked up. No, wait. My hand's fucked up. I was born with a birth defect. Uh-huh. As, as opposed to being born with a death defect? I guess it's a little redundant.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, hello, little one. You can stay with us. But you're not allowed to be on the episode. Just like that. Okay, we need to stop looking at her. So she stops meowing.
1: But the...
0: Mechanic. Salesman. Security guard. Police detective. Running out of guys.
3: The hit and run guy.
0: The mechanic. Fuck Mark, it's Damien I want.